This episode of Eat the Rules is brought to you by You on Fire. You on Fire is the online group coaching program that I run that gives you a step-by-step way of building up your self-worth beyond your appearance. With personalized coaching from me, incredible community support, and lifetime access to the program so that you can get free from body shame and live life on your own terms. Get details on what's included and sign up for the next cycle at summerinandin.com forward slash you on fire. I'd love to have you in that group. This is Eat the Rules, a podcast about body image, self-worth, anti-dieting, and intersectional feminism. I am your host, Summer Inanin, a professionally trained coach specializing in body image, self-worth, and confidence, and the best-selling author of Body Image Remix. If you're ready to break free of societal standards and stop living behind the number on your scale, then you have come to the right place. Welcome to the show. This is episode 222, and it's a special episode this week because I am broadcasting the first Death to Diets episode that I did with my good friend and colleague, Vinnie Wellsby. Death to Diets was a six-part series that we put together for the Fireside app, and in each episode, we talked about a topical thing that we had seen as it relates to diet culture and body image. And in this particular episode, we are talking about what to do if you have friends or family that are still dieting, how to respond to that diet talk and how to set boundaries. You can find all the links and resources mentioned in this episode at summerinandin.com forward slash 222. Before we begin, I want to give a shout out to Applinheart who left this review. Summer's podcasts have been my primary resource for overcoming disordered eating. They are always so informative, on point and empowering. I couldn't get through this transition to healthy eating without them. Thank you so much for sharing that review. You can leave a review for the show. It helps me out and the show out and other people out because it helps other people to find this podcast. Just go to iTunes, search for Eat the Rules, then click ratings and reviews, and then click to leave a review or give it a rating. You can also help me out by subscribing to the show via iTunes or whatever platform you are using to listen to this. Just look down at your phone and click the subscribe button. It's so easy. And if you haven't already done so, make sure you grab the free 10 day body confidence makeover at summerinandin.com forward slash freebies with 10 steps to take right now to feel better in your body. Death to Diets uh, was a six part series that we did for the Fireside app. In we started it in December 2021. And then the episodes aired in January, February, and just into March 2022. They were so fun to record. It's a different dynamic because I usually I'm either showing up here solo, or I'm interviewing someone and kind of spotlighting their expertise. And in this, it's like we were both co hosts. And so we're sort of ping-ponging back and forth and feeding off each other and giving different perspectives. And we really wanted the Death to Diets episodes to be about just things that we could kind of share our personal stories about and then also your own personal experiences. So for every episode, we crowdsourced your own experiences or perspectives through our social media channels. And that was 
really fun because it just, you know, kind of brought you into the show a little bit more. And we were able to either answer some of your questions or just share some of your thoughts and feelings around things. And I loved recording these. They were so easy. They were so fun to record. And coming up with the topics for the show was just just kind of different than what I normally talk about here. So we cover things like, you know, how to deal with friends who are dieting. That's what this episode is about. But we also talk about before and after pictures. We talk about the TV shows and movies that really messed up our body image. We talk about some of the most ridiculous diets that we've seen come out in the last year. And also we talk about this idea of like food being toxic and sugar being addictive. So juicy topics. And I can't wait for you to hear them all. They're going to be airing over the next month or two on this podcast. And if you want, you can find them on my YouTube channel as well. You can get that by going to the show notes for this episode, summerinandin.com forward slash 222. In this particular episode, we are answering listener questions around dealing with friends or family who who are still dieting or who make comments about your, you know, what you're eating or your body. Vinny shares their jab technique for setting boundaries. And I give a really great enlightening story about when I was working in the corporate world and the person in the cubicle next to me was burping all the time and how I handled that situation. (laughs) So that's a little teaser for today's episode. Hope you enjoy it. Let's get started with the show. Hello. Hello, as you say. (laughs) And uh, welcome everyone to Death to Diets. That's me. Oh, yeah, that, that's me killing the diet. That's not me wanking someone off. Um, yeah. Uh, what? <laughs> I didn't see. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> yeah, I didn't diet. see. I didn't see. I was I was looking at I was trying to set the fortune cookie. <laughs> not, not thanks. I didn't see you. It's good to go. Okay. All right. So welcome. If you see me look over to the side, it's because I'm looking at our outline. Because you're really bored. You're like, you're watching Netflix, aren't you? Yes. Yes. I'm watching, what would I be watching? Bachelor in Paradise, Canada. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds fancy. I was just watching RuPaul's Drag Race Canada. Oh, they have a Canadian one. Oh, yes. Is it good? Yeah. And there's some local queens on there. And yeah, so I'm really enjoying it. Yes. So anyway... My name is Victoria Wellesby. If you don't know me, they, them, and I am the co-host here with Summer. Summer, do you want to say a little bit about what Death to Diets is? I was going to ask you to do it because I'm trying to simulcast with YouTube and it's not letting me, so. All right. You just do all the technical stuff and I'll just be here looking fabulous as always. Yeah, yeah. You do the intro and I'm going to see if I can you be the figure brain. this out. Are you simulcasting it in case I... Uh, let's see. I told you to log back in, but it's not actually letting me do it. Say done. Yeah, I'm doing okay. it. I'm doing it. I'm doing it on my end too. But you, you go ahead and yeah. So death diets is Summer and I are friends in Vancouver here, and we have the same views on um, dieting and fat phobia. And so death to diets is a. We're starting off as a six part series, a limited series streaming here on Fireside, which is the new 
newfangled jangle app where all the young people are coming. And uh, what we want to do is talk about the ridiculous diet stuff and fat phobia that we see in the world. And because it is the end of the year, I know this is the same for you, Summer. We have a lot of clients who were saying, oh my gosh, how do I deal with people? Other humans, other human beings who are talking about diets, who are being fat phobic and all that type of stuff. And so episode today is we are sharing tips on setting boundaries and how to respond to diet talk during the holiday season. So that's what we're talking about today. But just a quick overview of our stance on diets, like because this it's called death to diet. So, are you uh, are you ready to talk about about that so much? Yeah, you know what, the simulcasting is just not for some reason it's not working for me. So I'm not going to just fiddle with it the whole time, but hopefully it worked out for you. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it worked out for me. So, Summer, do we hate people who go on diets? No, no, thank oh, you. No, just some people, but we hate them for other reasons. Yeah. <laughs> no, because this is the thing is, is that like, we've literally been conditioned to diet, like from the moment we're kind of born into this world, we're, we're sort of given this like life purpose of, you know, you, you should be thinner, and you should always be like pursuing behaviors that are going to make you thinner, aka dieting. And so like, it's really if someone's a dieter, that's to me, it's just an innocent response to living in the culture that we live in the the fat phobic culture that we live in. So no, this is never anything we ever talk about here is never to like shame any individual for participating in diet culture. It's really like the industry and the, the system of dieting and the culture of dieting. And the fact that it upholds fat phobia and weight stigma, that's really what we're, you know, what we're talking about and what we're what we're against. Mm-hmm. Yes. And on the other side of things is where diet culture and diet come from you mentioned it before fat phobia we both have the belief that fat people like me are really fucking cool and deserve the same access rights and acceptance as straight sized folks and a quick note on language is we use the word fat as a neutral descriptor of people who are in bigger bodies because we think there's nothing wrong with being fat and for those who are not in bigger bodies we would use the word straight size so a little bit of language there if you're not familiar with that Yes, exactly. So I would be straight sized and you would be fat. And that's something that you self-identify as. So I would never go up to someone on the street and call them that unless they had told me that they self-identify that way. Yeah. Can you imagine? Oh, hey, Fanny, how you doing? (laughs) I'm saying it in a good way. No. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, maybe not. um, A little bit about us. I am a fat activist. I teach people how to understand weight stigma, aka fat phobia, and how to love and accept their bodies. I have a TEDx talk, best-selling book. I'm super good looking and sexy and very humble. So that's a little bit about me. Tell us somewhere a little bit about you. Yeah. So I've been doing this work for like eight years, which is a little scary, but you know, I'm a professionally trained life coach, but I specialize in specifically helping people around body image and self-worth and and confidence. And I host a podcast called Eat the Rules. And I also have a best-selling book and I'm also really gorgeous. And so that's why we're friends, really. We have to be like super sexually attractive. That's where I, you know, my my friends are like, 
Are they super sexually attractive? Because that's that's the only reason that I want to be friends with someone. And, and be seen in public, right? Yeah. Yes, exactly. And that's how we actually met is I saw you. I can't believe it's eight years because I've been doing my thing for seven years. And I feel like you've been doing it for like a zillion years longer than I have. But anyway. Well, um, I was doing, I was like towing the line for a while before that. And I think, I think it was like, I, I've been doing like a hundred percent body image for eight years. But prior to that, I was doing some like helping people heal their relationship with food and stuff. Okay. 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 I get it. I get it. I get it. I get it. And that's how we met. It's because I was like creeping you online and I saw your website and I was like, oh, yeah. oh my God, who is this person? And I reached out to you expecting you to be like, go away. I'm not interested. And I said, oh, can I, can we be friends and let's go for dinner? And you said, all right, let's start. Yeah, we went on a date. Didn't we go see Lindy West? Was that the first date? That was the first time. Yeah. Oh, what an amazing first date. We went to eat food and then we went and then we saw Lindy West. Yeah. I mean, hello. Amazing. It was good. It was good. And I think I feel as though within the first minute you made some sort of dick joke and I was like, okay, like this girl's really cool. I feel like we'll be friends. Oh, sorry. Not at the time you identified as. At the time I was a girl. You're, yeah, absolutely right. And now you're like, this human is really cool. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Sorry. Well, that's a little bit about us, but let's give a boring fact because, you know, obviously we just sound so good. We need to, you know, bring it down a little bit and give us, give a boring fact about you, Summer. Well, I saw what yours was and then I, I basically copied you. So I, my boring fact is that I need, in order to fall asleep at night, I need a body pillow a fan, a white noise machine, an eye mask, and like a pitch black room. And if I don't have those things, I won't be able to fall asleep. So when I travel, I have to travel with all of those things or know that they're available to me on the other end. Hang on. What is a full body pillow? It's like, is it like a big teddy bear that you hug? It's a pillow that's the length of, of my body. It's it's probably about four and a half feet long. What? And you hug it? Yes. Yeah. If I don't, I get really bad like cramps in my hips and my back and stuff. So it sort of like keeps my, I'm a side sleeper. So it keeps my spine in an alignment. And when I was a child, like I started sleeping with a large stuffed animal, which then became like a butthead pillow. So I was really into Beavis and butthead when I was like 12 or 13. And so I ended up like acquiring this big like butthead pillow. This is so weird. I used to travel with it everywhere. <laughs> I used to like take it on airplanes. <laughs> up until I was like 18 or 19. And then finally, when I matured a bit, I upgraded to an actual body pillow instead of using butthead. There we go. I think you need to bring butthead back. <laughs> it's probably got some diseases on it. <laughs> what about you? What's your boring fact? My boring fact is that I sleep on the left side of the bed and Dougal, my dog, sleeps on the right side of the bed. And I don't think I could fall asleep without having Ducal there because I give him a little cuddle. And if I ever get a romantic partner, I don't know what the fuck is going to happen because Dougal will be like, get the fuck out of here. So that is my boring fact. Very important to know what side of the bed we sleep on. But, you know, I'm not as, uh, you know, I don't have any, as, as much requirements. But I'm liking this uh, body pillow thing. It sounds fun. I can maybe pretend that I've got a boyfriend. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And like, it's you get to control everything. So they can't make you feel bad. This is what's happened is you 100% humped your, what is it? Butthead? Butthead thing? When you <laughs> yes. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. <laughs> It's not actually true, but... It's not true. You didn't do that. No, no, what? no, no, no. Okay. You weren't like me because I was humping fucking everything. Oh, no, no. That wasn't really my jam. Though. Oh. <laughs> 
Sam, I definitely was a little bit of projecting there. <laughs> anyway, should we get into the meat and potatoes of the show today, which is talking about end of year holiday stuff? But listen, even no matter when you listen to this, if you're tuning in right today or any other day of the year, this stuff is relevant 365 days a year, days a year because we have to deal with this bullshit all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I also just want to say before, if people are listening to this in, if the people who are actually here, there's a little, like you'll see a little tab in the bottom right that says react. So if you touch that and then it allows you to send a reaction, like if you send in an applause or any other kind of reaction, um, you just, you can do that if you, yes, 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 yes. Thank you, Jen. Yes. And, and then if they want to speak, I don't, don't know what they do. Well, well, there's a little um, button in the uh, right left hand corner with the dashes that probably says something like bottom left probably says like request to be on stage or something. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Anyways, that's the user overview. So, okay. Do you want to get into it? Do you want to give the question that I got? Yes. So someone wrote in given having a question given a question asking a question I was like what is that word asking a question they said I've been on my intuitive eating journey for over a year now and my relationship with food is so much better my mum has always been a chronic dieter and recently she's been doing keto I really want her to understand my journey and what and know what intuitive eating is about but she doesn't seem interested how can I get her to understand? Also, I'm worried about her diet talk over the holidays. So Summer, how would you answer that question? Yeah, okay. So I I mean, I relate to this a lot personally, and I think that a lot of other people do. I feel like dieting is generally passed down from generation to generation. Like the majority of people that I work with learned it from one parental figure, most often their mother. And a lot of the people I work with that mother is still dieting at like 70 or 80 years old or however old they are, right? Because it's a lifetime membership. And so I think that like, we've kind of opened ourselves up to this new world. We've discovered this new way of being and we're like, like, it's so much better to not diet, you know, like, I just can eat the things I want to eat. And it's there's no guilt or shame. And, and we want to tell people about it. We want other people to, to, you know, feel this way, too. But not everybody's there. And I think that sometimes when it comes to stuff like this, we can't push our beliefs on anyone else unless they're ready and wanting to learn. And so I think as it relates to your mom, I would say, maybe have a conversation about, you know, this is what I'm doing. It's really working for me. Do you want to learn more? Like, are you interested in learning more? And if the answer is yes, then like, what might be the most helpful for you? Like a book or a podcast or an article, like something that takes two minutes to read or something that's going to take you, you know, two weeks because it's a pretty in-depth book. So that's like the best case scenario. (laughs) I wouldn't expect that though. I think that if they're not open, if they're not willing, because it sounds like your mom's really entrenched in her way of thinking, which again is not her fault, like just innocent response to sort of the, you know, the cultural demands that are put on us. I think that there might be a bit of, you know, even letting go on your part, like having to let go of this idea that you can change her mind or having to let go of this idea that like, you know, she's going to totally support you, which can suck, you know, I think, but letting go of this idea that we can change people can also be really healing because it can help us just focus on our own process and our own journey 
And one of the ways I like to really position this is to just know that we all have different value systems, like we all hold different values. And so instead of thinking like, you know, my mom doesn't get me or there's something wrong with me, try to reframe it in your mind as we have different value sets. Like my mom values something different than me at this point in time, because values are the things we value can always change. And I think that if you can frame it up that way to yourself, it helps a little, it makes it a little bit easier to, to honor each other. And I'm not saying you have to support her. I, I probably wouldn't support her. I would be just be like, you do you, whatever makes you happy, mom. But I think that if you can position it as like, we hold different values, it makes that letting go process easier. And then as it relates to the diet talk, I think that when that type of stuff, it depends on your comfort level. You know, are you comfortable saying something in advance? Because that's kind of the ideal situation is to have a conversation with your mom or send an email in advance and say, I'm on this journey, something really kind, like I'm on this journey now, you know, I'm really focusing on myself and my health. And I'm not focused on on weight loss or dieting anymore, because I found that to be really damaging to my overall well being. Would you be willing to support me in this journey? And if they say yes, then say this, is. I would love it if when we're together, we don't talk about dieting or bodies or food. And that's kind of like the ideal situation, right? But not everyone's going to get buy into that. And I think it depends on your comfort level. Like, are you comfortable having that type of conversation? Are you comfortable like opening yourself up? And I think something to take away there is to make it about you and how they can support you versus like, you're doing something wrong by dieting, because that's never going to be helpful. Rather, it's just like, you know, you're my mom, you hopefully want to support me. Here's something that I'd love you to do in order to do that. And so that's, that's kind of like the best case scenario. And then there's always the worst case scenario, which is they don't do that. And then you have to think about well, how am I going to respond in the moment? You know, am I going to change the subject? Am I going to hold the fir- boundary firm? Am I going to leave the room? And that's completely dependent on the individual situation and what you feel comfortable with. And I think, Victoria, you're probably going to speak a little bit more about that when you talk about your technique later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what I wanted to say about what you were saying is major like, oh my gosh, when I um, first discovered health at every size and intuitive eating, it was like, I'd seen the light. And I just knew, quote unquote, knew everyone was desperate to hear this information. And I presumed that I could just walk up to anyone and be like, did you know you can be fat and healthy? Did you know that diets don't work? And that everyone would be like, oh my God, thank you, Victoria, for sharing this information. Now I'm going to never diet again. And that didn't happen. And I was like preaching to everyone saying, oh my God, this is going to change your life. You know, you're never going to want to diet again. And you're going to realize that your body is cool. And I soon learned that people were not at the same place. And it's kind of like a unique set set of circumstances that mean that you're able to hear that information and internalize it and make changes in your life. And if I had heard that information maybe a year earlier, I might have been like, what the fuck is this bullshit? Of course you can't be fat and healthy. And yeah, and so although I would love to force everyone just to believe the same things that I believe and have the same morals and values as I do, I can't I can't make it happen no matter how much I try somewhere. It's very rude of people to not just listen to me and conform to the way that I want them to to be. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think like, especially when it's like your, you know, your family member, you sort of internalize it is like, it's hard to let that go. Like, it's hard to like, 
realize that maybe you won't get that buy-in and support that you would really love from, you know, the parental figure in your life. And I don't know, there can be like sadness about it. At the same time, I think when you surrender that, it makes it a lot easier to just be able to go through and have empathy for them and be like, okay, well, I'm on my own path and I'm doing this for me. And this is the best thing for me. Mm, Yeah. And that's a big thing is a lot of times I see people saying, before when I was dieting, I was such, I was so stupid. I was such an idiot. I, you know, all I ever spoke about was diets and la la la. And I'm like, oh no, have some empathy for yourself because of course you were dieting because hello, it'd be weird if you weren't a dieter in this world. And then, you know, exactly what you said, extending that to, you know, your mum or whoever, but also knowing that it's really fucked up that this is happening, you know, it's not okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I, like, I mean, I run into a similar situation, you know, and I mean, I've written a book on this, and my mom still has her own way of thinking about things. And I've just had to accept that that's the way it is. And like, she's probably going to go to her grave feeling the way she feels. And what can I do, you know? And I think all I can do is like try to support her. Like, if she makes a comment about her own body, all I can do is say something like, I love you no matter how you look, mom. Like, I think you're beautiful, whatever size you are. And I've accepted that that's the best I can do. And I think that that gets through to her more than being like, mom, you know, diets don't work. Like, you know, all this other stuff, like, <laughs> that's just not going to register. Yeah. Whereas with my mom, my mom was very, you know, same, same, but she is now uh, totally on board with everything. And I think it was just over the years seeing how this stuff affected me positively that she's just being like, oh my God, of yes. And and it's so cool to see because I never, I was kind of, you know, assumed that that wouldn't happen. And I probably was all like, no, don't say that. And at the beginning, and but eventually she just kind of got it. And that, so I'm lucky. Yeah, that is good. That is lucky. Do you want me to read the question that you got? Yes, please, Sam. I read my question plan. Okay. So the question is, I have put on weight since the pandemic and this year will be my first time I am seeing people for two years since I've seen people in two years over the holidays. To say my family are into dieting and working out is an understatement. So I know I'm going to get judgmental looks. My mom also likes to make little comments. And if I say anything, she complains I am too sensitive. What should I do? Oh my gosh. Yes. I just, I wish that we could see like audience faces. If you can give a reaction, a clap or whatever, if you two are feeling nervous about seeing people post pandemic because your body might have changed. Because I think, yeah, yeah. I think that even if you haven't, body hasn't changed, seeing people again, is really difficult. It's just, it's like, it's almost like we've got used to not and seeing people virtually and all that type of stuff. And so I think that you're, you're not alone in this. And if we were in a, in a room of humans, everyone would, would be saying, yes, me too. I'm nervous about seeing people. I'm feeling a little bit stressed. And if your body has changed, I mean, it's just entrenched in our, in our culture to see someone and, be making judgments about how they look. Like in my family, I think it's just an Irish thing, but whenever I see my aunts or I have like 75,000 aunts, I have 65 cousins and 14 aunts. And so anyway, so there's lots of family. Wow. 
Yeah, yeah. You know that Irish Catholics love I do. It. <laughs> yeah. So the thing that people say, it might just be an Irish turn of phrase, but when they see you, the very first thing is you look well. And it's not even a you look thin or you look whatever. It's just you look well. And in that moment, it's kind of like a little a little, ugh, a little, ugh. like, have you judged the way that I look? And they might not have, they might have, you know, they, they have seen me. So yes, they've, they've probably judged the way that I've looked. And in my life, I've gone from being a smaller size, still fat, but to being a larger fat person and having to go back to Ireland to see family after I had put on weight, it was, it, you know, I was like, oh, it's really difficult. So one, it's normal to feel like this way, especially during the pandemic. And two, you're not alone. And when your mum says you're being sensitive, my opinion is that you're not. You're not overreacting or being too sensitive or demanding. It's a very reasonable request to not have to experience bigotry around your body. Like, you're not asking for too much there if your mum is kind of like making those those underhand comments. Did you ever have to deal with underhand comments, Summer? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I never did. Well, you know, I did actually. <laughs> no, I did. Like, I don't know if they were underhand. They were more direct. Like, yeah. <laughs> they were more direct. They're more like, you know, bully type comments. But also just, yeah, I mean, that could be a whole other show. So I'm not going to open that tin of family secrets, but let's just say that, yes. <laughs> so I have a, a kind of method of dealing with uh, fat phobia, a formula. And the three, there's three words that I remember. And the first word is to remove. The second word is to reduce. And the third word is to protect. And so can you remove the source of this issue, the source of fat phobia? And so Say if the source of your fat phobic thoughts coming up was a TV show, you can remove that from your life by not watching it. If it's a person, you can end the relationship. Or another way to remove is to set a boundary. And so that's kind of like the gold standard. If you can't do that for, there's many different reasons why we can't do that. And, and we'll talk about this in, in just a moment. The next thing that you can do is reduce. And so reduce the amount of, of exposure to that person, to that situation. And so if you are going to spend time with your family, can you, instead of spending two weeks there, can you spend one week and six days, you know, or one week or just a few days or just a few hours. Can you, if that's not a possibility, can you sit further away from them at the dinner table so you can't quite hear all of the diet talk coming your way? So what ways can you reduce your exposure to that fat phobia? And finally, if you can't reduce, because sometimes that's not possible either, what can you do to protect yourself? So protecting your mental health. And so that's going to look like a lot of self-care, you know, maybe listening to either our podcasts on the way to your driving to your family's house, being like, yes, I am a badass and no, I don't deserve this bullshit. Or listening to a podcast while you're at dinner and tuning out, being like, la, la, la. it's cool to be fat. Whatever it is you need to do to protect your mental health. So gold standard is remove, next reduce, and third is to protect. And I would do exactly what, what you said, Summer, is um, what can we do beforehand? Can we send a message to, to your mom and say, listen, this is what I'm doing. My script is so similar to yours. And mine is 
I'm wondering if you can help me with something. Just going in, I'm wondering if you can help me with something. And that's the same as your approach, which is, it's not about you. It's not that you're a raging bigot and fat foe and diet culture nightmare, which maybe they are, but it's about me and my journey to love and accept myself, my journey to unlearn fat phobia and diet culture. And I've noticed that something that's triggering is when people talk about food or bodies or, you know, exactly what you said, Summer, can we avoid that while I'm around? Who knows what they're going to say, but by the way, every single time I've set a boundary, Apart from one time, the person has said, yeah, cool, of course. Apart from one time. Is that the same with you, Summer? Have you had good experiences with setting boundaries? I've seen it. I mean, for me, yeah, it's been fine. I think sometimes you have to kind of like reinforce it because people are like, oh, I'm not supposed to talk about that or so. You know what I mean? And then... (laughs) You have to be like, no, really, like, <laughs> but, and I've, with clients, I've seen it kind of go either way. So I think it really depends. Like I've seen for some people, it's been like really successful. And for others, like they've had to really kind of distance themselves from certain people in their life because they just haven't honored that boundary. And that's really hard. And yet that's probably the best thing for their mental health. Mm-hmm. It is so hot. Oh my God. This, this stuff is so fucking hard. Why do we have to try and be an emotion, emotionally intelligent human beings? Why do we have to like communicate and shit like that? Why can't we other people just read our brains, you know, read our minds, know what we're thinking and just not be dicks, you know? But I wanted to share the fierce fatty jab technique. So we all know the steps on how to set a boundary and maintain that boundary. Would you like to hear that, Summer? I would. I've been waiting for it. Okay. So the jab technique, another, well, not another acronym. I love a bit of an, I love my acronyms, but I didn't just give you one, but I have lots of other ones. But anyway, this is the jab technique. So the first, the I'm just going to say tell you what the, the words are. So J, judge, A, action, B, brace, and B, bottom line. So we've got a double B there. So first off, judge. So we're going to judge the situation. We're going to assess to see if it's safe to set a boundary because often there can be situations where it's not safe to set a boundary, where maybe it's not appropriate to set a boundary for many different reasons. So, for example, you've got a complete bell-end boss who is really cruel and mean and whatever. It might not be in your best interest to, you know, kick down their door and be like, listen up here, motherfucker, this is the way it's going to go. Because, you know, they are not safe. You might get fired. Da-da-da-da. There's a power imbalance there. Can you think of any other uh, times where there might be a power difference? Some of the, I think, I think it's like comfort too. Like, is it like, is this someone that like, do you feel, I I like to kind of differentiate between like, is this outside of your comfort zone or is this unsafe? Because if it's like unsafe, then don't do it, you know? Whereas like, obviously setting boundaries is always going to be outside of your comfort zone. So I think it, I think you also have to understand the balance in terms of like, is it worth, because there's always discomfort, is that discomfort worth it in this particular moment? Or is it better for me to just like, put on my metaphorical earplugs and leave the room? You know what I mean? So I think it's like, it to, to sort of just like tag along with, with what you're talking about. Yeah, exactly. And I've got a real life example of that. One time I was at this party, Christmas party, and this girl, we were playing this card game, Cards Against Humanity. Remember that? This is a few. So we were playing Cards Against Humanity and this girl, there was one of the cards said, bitch slap. And I said, bitch slapped me. And she jumped out of her chair, straddled me and slapped me across the face. 
I was like, what the fuck? And I said, do not ever touch me again. Left the party and everyone was like, oh my God, what, what is that person doing? And anyway, I left the party. Everyone was like, oh God, Victoria, you handled that really well. A couple of weeks later, I saw them, her and her partner, and I was with my partner. We bumped into them on the street and we, there was no kind of escaping. Like they were right there. And she pretended nothing happened. And we were just like, ah, ha, ha, see you later. And as we were walking away, she turned around and slapped my bum. And we were like, we, I didn't know the girl. Like I, she was a friend or anything. It was just someone at the party. And then she did the same thing again. As I mean, in that moment, I kind of, I, I remember being like, shall I be like, remember here, listen, I told you don't ever, you know, put your hands on me ever again, or shall I just keep walking? And I decided in that moment, it was best for my mental health to just keep walking. And so, you know, in the first instance, I did set a boundary and have a natural reaction of, you know, if someone hits you in the face. But then the second time it wasn't worth my while or it wouldn't have helped me in any way because I wasn't going to have a relationship with this person anyway. Yeah. Oh my God. What? Like, I know. Isn't it wild? I was like, <laughs> what is happening in this world? Yes. So that's the first step is judge. And then the next step is action. And so you're going to have to set the boundary. And so there's many different ways to set a boundary. It could be a face-to-face. It could be over a text. It could be, um, you know, sending a, a pigeon, whatever. But actually setting the boundary. What what other ways would you, have you heard about people setting boundaries apart from saying, hey, can you help me with something? Are there any other ways that you can uh, think of? I think sometimes having like an ally there too, like if it's like, you know, like a, if it's like a coworker or, you know, like another family member or your partner to like help reaffirm it or be the, the communicator, like be the one to say it, you know, that could also be helpful in that circumstance. I think like one of the helpful reframes I found find around this too is just like boundaries are, and this was something I learned from another coach named Victoria Albino, but she was like, boundaries are really a gift to the other person because you're saying like, this is, you know, what I need from you, or this is like, you know, and I see that like, it's like, if you, like, if I misgendered you, I would want you to be like, Hey, Summer, like, don't, you know, can you not do that? Cause that, and then I would be like, Oh yeah, sorry. Like, thank you for telling me. Do you know what I mean? And so I think it's like that, like, I think if we can reframe it as like, it's actually a gift to the other person instead of like, I don't want to hurt their feelings, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And that's the, actually when, when I was on Christy Harrison's podcast, that was the one line that she pulled out from what I said, that boundaries are a gift because they are such a gift. And I used to be such a bad friend because I'd have friends that would do shit and I would be so annoyed with this, this stuff that they're doing. I would never mention it to them. And then behind their back, I'd be like, mm, did you know so-and-so did this? And people would say, oh, how about telling them? I'm like, well, never going to do that. You know, what's wrong with you? Why would you think I would communicate with them? And it made it so people could never get close to me because if they pissed me off, I'd just be tight-lipped and be like, everything's fine. It's Don't worry about it. Because I was so terrified that they would have a negative reaction, that they would be like, flip the table and be like, how dare you ask me to take my shoes off in your house? You're so unreasonable, you know? Oh, I've got a good one. I just thought this is an example. And I know we have to like, like get a, hurry this along, but 
um, real quick. When I used to work in a corporate job, the guy there was this guy in the cubicle next to me, and he used to just burp. Like he would take these like really loud sips. He'd be like, and then be like, like like all day. And I, I would just sit there, like just like ready to explode, like fuming at this. But we were not in the same department at all. I did not even know this person's name. They were like a temp worker that had kind of been placed on the other side of my cubicle. So I went to my boss. And I was like, you need to do something about this. And then he had to go to the other guy's boss. And then the other guy, the boss came and like had a talk with him. And I could hear it because I was on the other side of the cubicle. Oh my gosh. But then he stopped. There we go. It's, it's a Christmas miracle. Amazing. <laughs> and so would you have done that differently now i don't know i'm tend to really be passive aggressive in like a not not a great way i'm trying to work on that because i think i remember like kicking the cubicle every time he did it or i would like make some noise like it was very passive aggressive so <laughs> no because i and, and honestly because i think of the d- d- dynamic that i didn't know him and it was a man and like i felt it was better dealt with through third parties <laughs> And, and that's perfect because that worked for you. He stopped burping. And that's the thing is sometimes the passive aggressive kicking the cubicle, he's probably like, what's wrong with this fucking other person kicking the cubicle every didn't time work. I have a drink? You know, it didn't work. Yeah, no. Okay, so the next letter, so it's J-A-B-B. So we're on the first B, which is brace, which is brace for them to forget about the boundary, for them to be like, Oh, you hear about this new diet where you put cucumbers up your bum? They're probably going to forget about this new boundary. And so we need to get ready to reinforce a boundary. That's where it gets really difficult is sometimes doing the first kind of, hey, can you not? That having to do it the second time can be really, really difficult. Our next B is bottom line. So once you've braced and, and, and reinforced that boundary, if they do it again, we need to decide what we want to do. So what is our bottom line? Is what how they're reacting okay with you? Are you going to change your boundary? Are you going to remove yourself from the situation? Lots of different things can happen from reinforcing the bottom line. What ways do you think that we could reinforce the bottom line? I think like, li- you know, limiting the amount of time that you spend with them or saying like, okay, well, you know, I'm thinking a lot of people have issues with like their, you know, like their mother-in-laws and stuff like that. So if they have kids and so, you know, just saying like, okay, we'll come over just for an hour or, you know, we're only going to see you once a week instead of, you know, three times a week and that kind of thing. And I, th- I think the other thing that you can say sometimes that that helps really hit the point home is like, when you say X, like when you when you make comments about food or or my body, it makes me feel really ashamed. And like, I'm not going to accept that you're making me feel that way. You know, I think if you can like, I sometimes I don't think people realize the emotional impact it has on you. So I think if you can articulate that in a way that says like, it makes me really ashamed, it makes me feel really ashamed, or it makes me feel really humiliated or whatever the word is you want to use, then that might help actually drive home that point to the other person. That's kind of like the last ditch effort that I usually kind of give to people before having to, you know, separate, like let's spend less time. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. That's really good. That word is so powerful because most people, if they're empathetic, will be like, Oh God, I don't, Ooh, I feel Yeah, Cause I think that. sometimes people don't realize they're like, Oh no, I'm just, you know, it's just diet, like whatever. But if you, you know, it's having a big, I just realized we're matching like their shirts. I, I just realized that. Summer, and I, <laughs> I was thinking, oh, both of our green. green earlier. Were you wearing green earlier? Uh, no. We both changed our outfit into something green. Yeah. Cool. All right. Anything else? We got to like wrap it up. 
I know because you have to go and do stuff because you've got a fabulous life. Whereas I'm just going to sit in my chair and cry. Um, do you want to? Do you want to go pick up my son? Do you want to do that and then you can take him and I'll sit and cry instead? I'll sit in my chair and cry. It's okay. <laughs> Yeah, so you can follow me at Summer In and In across every platform. If you can't spell that, you can just go to thebodyimagecoach.com and that will take you to my website. I have a free 10-day body confidence makeover that you can download there. So if you just go to thebodyimagecoach.com, you'll see it there on the on the homepage. And my podcast is called Eat the Rules. What about you, Victoria? Well, people can follow me at fiercefatty.com. My podcast is Fierce Fatty. My book is Fierce Fatty. My social is Fierce Fatty. My non-existent children. One is called Fierce, the other one's Fatty. And you can get my body love roadmap. Just go to Fierce Fatty. It's right first thing that's on there, fiercefatty.com. So thank you everybody for hanging out with us today for this experiment of using this new app. I hope you enjoyed our time together. Any final words, Summer? Thank you. Just thank you for being here. We'll be back in January with another episode where we've got some good stuff to rant about there. Oh my God. We've got such good stuff to rant about. Like, ooh, unbelievable. Anyway. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, have a wonderful rest of your day, everyone. Enjoy picking up your child, Summer. I will. It's actually sunny out, so we get to walk. <laughs> ooh, fancy. All right. We'll see everyone in January. Yeah. Rock on. Thank you so much for listening to this one. You can find all the links and resources mentioned at summerinandin.com forward slash 222. The next few episodes are going to be the rebroadcast of the Death to Diet series that Vinny and I did. We talk about things such as before and after pictures, the most ridiculous diets that we've seen lately, the TV shows and movies that messed up our body image, as well as toxic food and sugar addiction. So they're really juicy topics. They get a little silly sometimes, but we had so much fun recording them and I think you're going to enjoy them. So I will talk to you again next week. Rock on. I'm Summer Inanin and I want to thank you for listening today. You can follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Summer Inanin. And if you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts, search Eat the Rules and subscribe, rate and review this show. I would be so grateful. Until next time, rock on. Rock on.